0: Today's video was brought to you by storyboardthat.com. Please visit teachercast.net slash storyboardthat for a limited time offer. Hello, everybody. My name is Jeff Bradbury, and welcome to the Tech Educator Podcast live on August 24th, 2014, our last show officially of the summer. Thank you so much for joining us live. Of course, we're here on TeacherCast.tv, the new home of educational broadcast. We have a brand new website that's rocking right now. We have an amazing chat room. want to give a big shout out to everybody. If you are out there live on the chat room, put a big smile in there. Give us a big woohoo. Thank you so much out there for joining us. Today we are talking all about Google, Google education. As we continue our series, we're going to be diving into Google Chrome Apps. We're going to be dealing a little bit with some of the new opportunities in Drive. We're going to be talking about what it takes to actually be a Google-certified teacher. And we might talk a little bit about Legos and ice cream. We'll see how the show goes today. We have a wonderful guest lineup tonight. I want to bring in two New guests here. They're also brand new Google certified teachers. I want to bring on to the show Josh. Josh, how are you? How are things? Thank you so much for coming on the show tonight.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, Jeff. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, I love being on these podcasts, and I hope I can be a little more of a regular guest. Uh, But you've got a really slick show here, and I'm lucky to be a part of it.
0: Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You just became a Google certified teacher, right?
1: Yes, uh, actually, with Sam and then David, who everybody will meet the second here. Ooh. I was there in uh, California late July, and it was just an amazing experience. Felt very fortunate. Uh, you know, put a lot of work into obviously what I do as a teacher, but also, you know, the application process, which is, which is pretty rigorous in, in the expectations there. Um, and, you know, I, I know, you know, as I said we might talk about it later. I will just say for this, you know, for me, a big part of it was that video and getting that video to send just the right message. Um, and so I had a lot of fun and obviously a lot of help. I had a really good friend with that. And that was kind of my secret sauce, so to speak.
0: And, and and doing that video is is I've done a few shows already on how to make that video and how to make that video perfect. And the only answer that I have on it is there is not really an answer for it so far, right?
1: Not, not really. I mean, when you look at the 65 videos just in my cohort, uh, most of them couldn't be more different from one another. Mm -hmm. So trying to find some commonalities, uh, I really kind of played off of David Terrio and, and his video and some of his advice. So he was a good mentor to me for that. But yeah, I mean, the only way to do it is to do it. So, you know, take the advice you can get and get on it.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, Thank you so much for joining the show. Also, want to bring on to the show today, Mr. David. David, how are you tonight? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for being here. Tell us a little bit about yourself, David.
2: I am the library media specialist at Greenwich Country Day School here in Connecticut, and I am a, also just like Josh and Sam, a new Google certified teacher.
0: Just got uh, anointed in Mountain View last month. And uh, how was the how was the opportunity? It was incredible.
2: I mean, I had applied last year and was denied uh, my application, and so it just sort of doubled my uh, passion for trying to get into this program. I had a friend who did it in Chicago last year, and he came back and told me this is absolutely something you need to keep trying for. And so I did it again and put a little bit more thought, a little bit more effort into it. And it worked out for me this time. And it's been a fantastic experience.
0: Nice. Very, very nice. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. Like I said, we have a great show today. We have a few other other co-hosts that are be coming on a little bit later. But for right now, we're going to be talking about some of the new features in Google that are happening as we speak. Of course, everyone's talking about Classroom. Before we get into all of that, there's some new features here in Google Drive. David, tell us a little bit about some of those new features that we have to fe- face in our Google Drive.
1: Oh, I think you were bouncing it over to me, which Sorry. is fine. Josh, go ahead. Josh. Oh, totally gosh. fine. We're new. I get it. Uh, but And so is the new Google Drive. It is... Uh, it's something that's not even default for most people now. You actually have to opt into it if you want it. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here uh, for everybody. Hopefully I am not don't have anything up here that's weird. Uh, we should be good. So I'm going to share my screen and show you what I'm looking at with the new Google Drive here. Uh, can we see that all right? Yeah. Officially shared. Yes, this? absolutely. All right. So what I'm looking at right now is the new Google Drive, and you probably notice it doesn't look a whole lot different. Uh, I should be able to switch back here and leave the new Drive. You can just see visually uh, some of the differences between the two. Um, I'm just going to highlight a few things just for the point of being brief. But, you know, number one, it really isn't that different. Uh, Some of the changes that were made uh, were really with creating things and and organizing things. So here is a look at what most people see with Drive at the moment uh, with you know the familiar options on the left with creating and where to find stuff all of your files in the middle and then on the right just a couple visual options and as far as seeing details Uh, but if you click on the gear for settings anybody can go in and see the new drive right now I'm sure eventually it's going to become the default and everybody's going to be opted into it but right now they're letting you test the waters. So here's what the new one looks like Uh, there's a lot fewer buttons And I think that's kind of a a focus is to try and make it cleaner, simpler. Uh, So um, there's two different views. I like a list view. Somehow that just works better in my brain, but you can also click on and see a grid view and see your folders and all of your files in the grid format like that. Uh, One of the other uh, big changes is creating things. And as you can see, there's not two buttons over here. There's just one, and it says new. And when you click on that, That is where you can create your folders, the uploads, which used to be a separate button are both in there, and then your docs, sheets, and slides, as well as more, where you'll find forms, drawings, and any other apps that you added. Uh, So they've combined that into one button. Uh, You can also get the same place just clicking on My Drive up here. And then you'll see those same options, too. So making it really easy to make stuff, really simple. And then just the last really big change is where your files come from. If you have the Google Drive app on Android, I'm not familiar with, uh, with iOS, but with Android, this is what shared with me looks like. It's incoming, but that's the new name for it out in the new Google Drive, incoming, and that's where new files show up. Um, and then just on the file side, they made it really easy to share links. And you click on a file right up top one of the along with sharing and uh, previewing and throwing it away you can get a link right away now you want to make sure that your settings of course are to share that but if it's shareable if it's viewable you can grab the link really easily with that so I like I like the new drive I I think it's pretty slick you know I think for some people it takes some getting used to but ultimately I think it does make the experience simpler
0: and talk to us a little bit about some of those things that you can do from drive. I mean, Google has really broken drive out, right? I mean, they, as you said, there's now a, an app dedicated to docs. There's an app dedicated to spreadsheets. There will be soon an app dedicated to Google slides. Really Google drive here is turning into the hub of everything Google, because of course that's, that's your digital hard drive.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, And like I said, you can grab that link and share right from here, um, and I know this was back in the old drive as well, but um, seeing some of the the details, this activity feed is is great. You know, depending on where what you're clicking on, you can see some of the updates and what's happened to an item. I think this is great if you're a teacher because if you've got a, a shared folder, um, and this may change depending on Google Classroom, which I'm sure this podcast will get into in the future. Um, you know, that that'll make things a little more organized, but You know, being able to see, you know, all the things that are happening with the shared files is, is really nice uh, with that activity feed. So it's a, like you said, a great hub for, for monitoring um, and viewing things. Um, And, and, you know, when it comes to sharing and and organizing files, yeah, it it can all happen right here and it can also happen within the documents, Uh, but it's, it's visually very nice, very simple to come in and create things, um, and you know it's it's really it really has become its own thing. And now when people talk about creating Google Documents, it's not you know we're going out to Google Docs. It's you're going to Google Drive because it used to be everything was just called Google Docs, and then it was Google Drive was its own thing. Um, so I'm really interested to see what they do next with it. And you're right, now that they've broken out the apps with Docs and Slides and Sheets all having their own app, you know I think. We may see some new things coming with Drive down the line. I mean, that's purely speculation, but I wouldn't be surprised to see some some new features that really start to set it apart. I, I think you said it right. There's a lot of neat stuff coming on here. I want to show you a
0: couple things here that I like to talk about. Um, somebody is getting a little bit of an echo. I don't know if you guys can check that or not here. Let me bring up my Google screen here. And... We talked a little bit about these Google add-ons. Now, if anybody out there in the chat has their favorite Google add-on, let me know. I love the fact that when you come up to this screen here, you can actually take these icons and you can run them around. You can you can really customize this to however you want. So let me open up my Google Drive right here. Let me pull this down just a little bit. There we go. Let me slide this over. There we go. So here's the Google Drive that I have. I love the fact that when you click on a folder, all of your details are here. It tells you who's the owner, tells you when it was modified. Really, really neat stuff. I love the description. There's a really neat idea here to add the description because you never know. You might have made a, a, a folder that we shared 10 months ago, and I don't remember what it is or how it works. That's really, really neat that you can do all that stuff here. What I like to do is come up here to new. And then you go to More, and you can connect more apps. And there are hundreds of these Google add-ons that you can use. And once you add them into your... once you add them into your Google Drive, they are good for all of the Google products. So for instance, if you did sign up for a couple of weeks ago, we had we Video on, you can see here, let me X out of that. You can just come up here to new, more, and there is your we Video video editor. But there's tons of these things as far as making PDFs, as far as doing audio notations, here's your Google drawings. Lots of different ways to change what Google Drive actually is. These are all free some of them do have the paid upgrades but there are some amazing things in here one of the ones that I like to use is this guy here called DocuSign because we get a lot of invoices and contracts that go back and forth and to be able to use DocuSign for that is really simple Um, definitely worth checking out. Um, you know, it's hard to go through all of these different things here, but, but definitely check out some of these Google add-ons and out there in the chat box, if you have some of your favorite Google add-ons, certainly, uh, share that with us here. There's a lot of neat ones. Here's a one that's good, but PDF to word is a really, really neat one too. Do you guys have any favorite, uh, Google add-ons that, uh, that you guys have been using in your classrooms or in your uh, personal lives? Oh, Uh, I
2: know. Oh
1: God,
0: David. No, I was going to say, as a library
2: media specialist, I really love EasyBib for the yeah. citation and the research component.
0: EasyBib is a good one. We've done several shows with that. What tell tell everybody what EasyBib actually is? EasyBib is a is a bibliography
2: citation tool that allows you to easily create all of the format specific uh, citations for any type of media or resources that you're using for uh, your research projects. And so with the add-on, you can actually do that straight inside the doc instead of having to go back and forth between your uh, Google Doc and the website for EasyBib. And so it's been a time saver for us, for sure. And in terms of uh, keeping track of how the process is working for each individual kid, uh, it's been really, really helpful.
0: Now, maybe you guys can talk a little bit about this year. One of the new things that came out this year on Drive is it's now easier to uh, work with Microsoft Word Doc or Office Docs. Does anybody have anything on that one?
1: Yes. You know, and I, and I saw somebody test this out, and I was looking to see if I had any Office documents because I've really tried to not use any anymore. <laughs> uh, but – but, yeah, you can, you can open them up and edit them using Google's editing functions in the basics. Uh, so let me, let me see if I can dig one up. I did have one question from Craig out in the chat that was really good to bring up. When you open a file on Google, the new Google Drive, um, it is a double-click now to open up a new file. So that one, that, that is kind of a new thing where it used to be just one click, you open it up. Now you actually have to double-click a file. Not a huge difference, but when you're talking about trying to save time and make things look a little cleaner, interesting why they went with that you know if you guys have any ideas why they why that would be better over just one click i'm not really sure myself
0: i think they did that just for craig yen actually
1: seems legit <laughs> all right
0: oh let me start with this one here Peggy, um, we can kind of jump back and forth here, but Peggy just asked if we can do a demonstration explaining how we organized our folders because <laughs> she was looking at my folders here and noticed that everything is really, really organized. Peggy, let me show you exactly how I do that. Um, if you go over to settings um, and you hit download drive, Okay. Download Drive is going to give you the, in fact, I can do this right here because I don't think it's on this machine, um, is going to give you the downloadable app for Google Drive. And just like Dropbox, you can install this client here. And let's make sure it's all on the screen here. But you can download and install this client. And literally, it downloads all of your Google Drive materials just like this. And I'm going to put that in there. And so in a couple seconds here, you're going to see that the folder is going to open up and everything is going to sync into the Google Drive. And so when I open this up here, it should be around here somewhere. Launchpad. There it is. It's over here. I'll open up my Google Drive. Uh, do I want to open this? Yes. Sorry that it's not exactly... Uh, centered yet but here we go meet google drive for the computer and essentially again i'm gonna put the password in here and then everything that's in my google drive will get downloaded into my desktop here and up on the top bar you can see everything is syncing up And you can see here that Google Drive is coming in and it's working. So all of my documents are being put in here. I actually found that it's easier to organize things as folders on my hard drive than it was to use the drive because I can open up multiple tabs. And I love doing multiple tabs versus just working online through the Google stuff. So let's do done. Going to hit OK. And then you'll notice right here, this word Google Drive came up. And in a couple seconds, I'll leave this up while we can talk here. But everything in my Google Drive is going to get synced up and it's going to get downloaded here. And I just find that this is so much easier to organize stuff in these folders than in live on Google Drive. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Is it easier for you guys to organize through Google Drive or is it easier for you
1: guys to organize when you have multiple folders opened up? I know for me, I I'm fine, and I need to improve on it obviously quite a bit. Um, if you saw, I had a lot of wandering files, but um, I I find it's it's easy enough for me to to do folders in Google Drive, and especially one of those things where when I'm consistent with it, you know it 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 works fine. It's just you know there's no really no easy way to do it. I mean, with student stuff with Google Classroom coming out, that's going to really help a lot. Yeah. But as far as you know, me, you just, I just have to do it and, and organize it. Um, so I, I actually, I don't use the offline app and I, and I think I had some issues with that in the past cause I had, I have too much stuff, mm-hmm. uh, that I, that I've stored in my Google drive. So I've run out of space for the, for the syncing. Um, so I'll have to revisit that again. because I know I was getting some errors before,
0: you know, the, the one downside to doing that method of taking everything it's not really taking it offline because you can see it syncs up but you can only have one google account offline at a time so if you wanted to use your school gmail account and download it that or not gmail but google drive account i haven't figured out a workaround for that i'm not sure if the workaround is to save that google app in another location so you have two but but the google apps clients can only sync to one account at any time so that's to me that's a downside to that
1: yeah, I'd agree with you since I'm kind of bouncing back between my personal account and my school account. Right. So I do have an answer to the Office editing question. Sure. Um, just just did a little bit of a looking on that because I wasn't entirely sure myself. You know, I just you know I just assumed just because when I saw it done, somebody just opened an Office document and it worked. Uh, but I'm going to screen share here for a second. There is actually an extension, a Google Apps extension uh, that you'd install in your Chrome browser. For that office editing called Office Editing for Docs, Sheets, and Slides. So, that is one you would need to add if you wanted to do that first. Because um, I was out there playing with it, and I'm like, why can't I do this? I just saw somebody do it and it works. But um, this is what you would need first is to add uh, this particular extension. And once you have this, anytime you open up an office file, uh, then you should be good to go. So, right now mine is adding and taking its to your time adding. Uh, but once it's good to go here then i can i can show you kind of it, kind of the, some simple tools you have you don't have everything you can do in a google document uh when when you are in that mode but you do get some of the basics uh with that um, so i see that's gonna take a little bit so maybe we can come back to that later as it goes
0: we look forward to seeing all of that stuff and you know everybody out there in the chat box if you have some suggestions or if you have some things that you like to do, we certainly would love to uh, to get them. We love doing these Google Smackdowns here. Um, let's talk a little bit about Google Slides or Google Presentations. Uh, David, did you have a couple things on that for tonight? I did, yeah. I'm just following up on something in the chat.
2: Uh, I do. I'm a big Google Slide fan. I think they're a really, really uh, amazing tool for opening it up collaboratively within your classroom. I think there are a lot of visual uh, possibilities for using slides. I love the fact that you can bring in vector images and PNG files and bring them in. Uh, you can customize your color palette. You can make master slides that then uh, sort of further along all of your stylistic changes through all of the subsequent slides that you're making within a presentation. So I think they're really wonderful. I have a couple of quick slides that I could run through with you if you'd like to see sort of where I'm going with this.
0: I think Craig would love to see those
2: slides. (laughs) All right, Craig, this is for you then. Boom. Share. All right. Um, So here we go, right? So there are a few things that I really love about slides, not only for me when I do presentations, say to faculty um, or summits or conferences or things like that, but in the classroom. And that's the fact that you can access them from basically anywhere. Um, and, and that includes offline. There is a way, as I'm sure many of us know, for you to uh, enable offline editing of docs within your drive. And that includes slides as well. Um, this little link here is, uh, oh, we'll open it up to um, a description of how it is to uh, enable offline editing. For those who don't, I'll put that link in the chat right this moment. Boom. There it is. So if you're interested in doing offline editing with slides, I put the link in the chat. And so when I'm working with students and, you know, the population that we work with, as, as I'm sure it is with you as well, they're really really busy all the time and they're running from school to swimming practice, music lessons, then they run home for dinner and then they have to go out again to to do whatever. And so the fact that they can not only view these presentation slides on their device, whether it be a phone or an iPad or what have you, uh, but they can actually create and edit slides as well has been a real game changer for us. So I love the fact that you can access them and edit them really from anywhere. In addition, the collaborative element of working with these slides has been for us really a culture change Um, because, you know, it used to be, of course, you had to create your slides separately and then upload them and share them with someone else, either as an attachment to an email or whatever. The fact that I can really quickly just create a presentation in the same way that Josh just showed, go to new and then go to slides, open it up, and then just – type in the email address of the people that I want to collaborate with uh, opens that up to not only working within my class or my grade level or my school, but it opens up for global collaboration. I know a lot of people have been working globally uh, with a lot of the Google uh, tools, which has been, I think, a really wonderful thing uh, when it comes to working with the Google Apps for Education. The fact that we can collaborate also real time. And so, I mean, this is an example. Uh, This summer, I was working on a, a couple of slides for a summer professional learning program that I did through our Google Educator group. And I was working in real time with a colleague of mine up in Lake George. And she and I were on the same slides at the same time. And she was saying, no, no, that doesn't make sense. Or can you add an image over here? Or what about this? Have you ever thought about that? And it was like we were in the same room when, in fact, we were hundreds and hundreds of miles away from each other. Uh, And so that, I think, sort of doubled, if not exponentially increased my productivity and, I think, the effectiveness of the slides that I was creating. Uh, We had talked about this, I'm sure, at some point uh, in, in what Josh was talking about, but the fact that we can do revision history, we can go back in time, Uh, just like the TARDIS there. We can go back in time in any slide presentation or doc. We can go and see all of the different iterations of this slide presentation from its inception all the way to its current state. We can see who made what changes and at what time those changes were made. I think that is by itself uh, a huge selling point of using Google presentations in the classroom. Uh, I know that when I showed my class a couple of years ago, the fact that revision history was an option when they were doing their writing or they were doing their research, uh, there was sort of that moment of, uh uh-oh, the gig is up. Um, Because no longer could they really say, oh, no, really, I was working on this all week, and this is is the best I could come up with. I could look and see exactly when it was that they started these projects, when they started working on uh, this research. And so uh, I can do that also with slides. And so when you're working in a small group and you want to be able to go back and see where and how things developed over time, and if you want at some point to revert to an earlier version of that presentation, you can do that as well by simply uh, choosing the button that says something like, you know, revert to, to this version.
1: Yeah, that is, that is phenomenal. I just want to kind of jo- jump in here just quickly of for course. you, David. Um, in my experience, one of the most common things that would happen with students is, I don't, and I don't know how, and they just come up to me all panicked, like, oh, no, our entire presentation is gone. And somehow all of their slides get deleted. And they love the fact, you know, it just turns it around when – all of a sudden you can show them. Well, it's not exactly gone. You go into the revision history and you bring it all back. And yeah, and, oh, and they and they remember that. Like that sticks with them that they can do that, and then they help show other people. Yeah, um, and that's, that's, that's a really good
2: point. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point because uh, whenever you open it up for collaboration, you always run the risk that someone's going to accidentally do something. Uh, you know, accidentally delete a slide or accidentally move things around, and that wasn't in the best interest of the group. And so the fact that you can go back and say, everyone relax, it's okay, we can go back to the moment before that change happened and we can erase it from that point forward uh, has, been, has been really wonderful.
0: Well, let's, uh, let's, let's ask a question about that because that's coming up in the chat room. When you go back in history, are you going back to erase everything from that moment forward? Is it, is it the Marty McFly version or can you just erase that one graphical change or that, that one time where a student put a four-letter word in there?
2: Well, I mean, you could go back at any point and take something out. I mean, but I, when you go back to and you select to revert to this version, uh, then it basically just takes all of the changes that had happened after that point and deletes them. Got it. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we and have a question awesome here: not, Does revision
0: uh, history work in offline mode? No. Sorry, Craig. <laughs>
2: um, and so as Josh was talking about with Microsoft Office and how you can use uh, Word and whatnot with New Drive, well, they've also made those changes with Slides as well. And so PowerPoint actually works really well with, um, with Google Slides. I had a large uh, PowerPoint presentation that I was working on for uh, a state project, and someone else uh, created this really wonderful, really long PowerPoint presentation um, and sent it over to me, and as an experiment, I converted it to a Google slide presentation. And for the most part, it did a really good job maintaining the formatting. Uh, There were a few, you know, I needed to resize some of the images, but I think Google's come a long way in trying to make these tools more compatible with the larger world and PowerPoint works fairly well. So you can take those older PowerPoints that maybe your faculty have or that maybe you have uh, that they're reluctant to sort of, you know, risk losing and, you know, make a copy of it and then convert it to slides and see what happens. And then once it's in slides, all of those benefits of using uh, slides open up. You can then share it. You can collaborate on it. You can group edit it. Uh, vision history uh, can be a part of that as well. And so once you make that conversion, you sort of open it up into that larger Google suite uh, of tools and all the benefits thereof. Um, and so I, we could take a minute to build a presentation, Jeff, if, if you want, or we could move forward.
0: No, no, no. Let's, let's take all the time you need there.
2: Okay. Um, because there are a few things. So I'm going to go
1: back and I'm going to change my, uh, my screen here. Give me one moment. I'm, I'm disappointed, David. I thought you'd break in on a full-on, you know, a Frozen parody there. Like, Do you want to build a presentation? <laughs> I might or, put that or, in. Or, I'm gonna put that in. That's a good point. Or is that like just kind of full-blown gone, like no more Frozen? I know my, I always joke with my wife about it because I, I thought it was okay. I enjoyed it, but she, she did not. So she doesn't like it when I start singing Let It Go around the house.
2: Well, it's, it's about all my kids are singing at this point around our house, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, all right, so I'm going to change out to this, and I'm actually very new to the new drive. It wasn't really made available to me until pretty recently. Don't look at my disarray. Uh, it, is, it is part and parcel of my personality. I am a fairly disorganized uh, individual. And so uh, I do the best I can to, man- to manage it, but sometimes it gets the best of me. So all right, so here we go. We're going to make a new presentation, and I'm going to go to New. I'm going to go down to Slides. Boom. It's going to open it up slowly, and here it is, right? And so it's going to ask me. Uh, I can obviously title it. So we could title it uh, teacher cast. Okay. Right. And then, very similar to PowerPoint, over here in my navigator, I can just start creating slides over here, and then I can move them around if I want to, and uh, just drag and drop, uh, reorder them as needed. And once I have a new slide, I can change, obviously, uh, the layout of that slide. So I can go here under layout, and I can choose from title and title and body, you know, title in two columns. Personally, I almost always just use a blank layout because I like the total flexibility of being able to do whatever it is I want to do with this slide. And in addition, uh, I tend to want to set up my master slide. I want to create the typographical styles. Basically, I want to create a style sheet, uh, if, if, if I can use that term, for these slides. And so what I'm going to do is... Uh, I'm going to go up to slide, and I'm going to edit the master. Boom. And then it's going to ask me, okay, great. It's going to pull up all of these different hierarchies of typography. And it's going to say, okay, so what do we want to do here? Well, I'm going to create, I'm going to say, okay, all of my titles, basically all of my H1s, uh, I want, I don't want to use Arial because it's really my least favorite. I'm going to say Open Sans. That's really my favorite. Font to go to here when I'm using slides, and in fact, I want to take all of it and I want to make the entire thing Open Sans. So I'm going to select that entire collection, my titles, and then all of my various typographical uh, hierarchies here. And I'm going to select them all and then choose Open Sans, right? And then from there, I can also change the background. Maybe I don't want the background for each one of my slides to be white. So I can go here and I can choose a different color. What's really nice about uh, Google Slides for someone who wants to create uh, something very visually appealing is the fact that you can use a custom color palette. And so under background here, I can go to custom. And then I can either use the hex value. So if I know specifically the color that I want to use, maybe I got it from Uh, Adobe Illustrator or Photoshop, maybe I was on something like colorlovers.com, and I got the exact hex value, Uh, I could paste that hex value straight into this this dialogue box here, or I can just drag this selector around. I say, great, I want all of my slides to be this really awful color of green yellow. Done. Now, what it's done is it set that style sheet now for each one of my slides within the presentation. Each one at this point now has the default setting of that background color and then the Open Sans typography for each layer within it. So when I'm done, great, I can then X out. And now from here, at any point, if I were to add in some text, right, it's going to continue to carry along those typo- typographical styles that i created for it. And so once I have a presentation started, of course just like a Google Doc or something else, I can choose to share it out with anyone who I would like to. And from there, I can obviously decide you know, if I want them to have editing rights or just commenting rights or, uh, or they can become the owner of it. And then with revision history, I can go to File, and I can see revision history. And I can see, well, there's not much yet. The only thing that's happened so far is David Saunders created this document at 7.36 p.m., right? But if over time this presentation were to develop and increase in complexity and content, then I would see that listing out here, and at any point I could decide that that's actually the one I want to revert to or that's the one here uh, that I want. Or I can see who it was who edited things throughout it, which has been really, really great for us.
3: Yeah, one of the things I've heard teachers talk about specifically with the revision history is it brings the discussion of who's doing what in group work Mm -hmm. down because there's evidence. It's like, oh, okay, well, you say you did all of the work. Let's look in the revision
2: history and see if you did all of the work. Exactly. Exactly. And and as Josh said, like sometimes inadvertently things get – lost or misplaced or accidentally deleted, well this is sort of the safety valve that allows you to go back and reclaim those things that were accidentally lost.
1: Right. I mean think about when we were working on, I don't know if this happened to you, but when we had the amazing race thing we did at the Google Teacher Academy, Yeah. and we're all in this presentation, and we were all jumping. Like you'd be ready to type something in your presentation, and all of a sudden you'd jump and you'd be in somebody else's slide. And so having just that safety valve just when something gets screwed up you know not like oh you know Melissa just ruined my slide and now what can i do like well we can just go to revision history and take it back like it's i think it doesn't get stated enough how powerful that feature is because so many of those technology issues i think we have in school relate to not saving or losing something or somebody deleted it right. um, and and having that that backup is incredible
2: Right, and someone in the chat said, TARDIS, with a question mark, and so I just want to take a moment to say, yeah, the TARDIS is uh, Doctor Who, uh, and it's his, it's his time machine, essentially, it's time and relative dimension in space, it's his police box that allows him to travel throughout time and space, uh, and so I use that as my visual uh, cue for talking about revision history. And then I wanted to just leave a couple of things for those of you who are interested in sort of the design of slides because I think there are, there are a lot of presentations out there. And there are sort of just a small percentage of those are actually designed well, I think. Um, you know, a lot of them have way too much text or you know, not enough contrast in the font in the background and the you know, images all over the place to try and simplify it down. And so a couple of things. One, when I talked about creating a, a, a custom color palette, one of the places that I, that I sometimes go is colorlovers.com. And that's a place where you can browse uh, color palettes. You can create color palettes and upload them. It's a community of people who vote on them, who comment on them. And you can search for them based on keywords. You can go in and say, I want something natural. You can type in natural. And you'll get hundreds of color palettes that have been tagged as natural. And so if you're looking for, you know, three or four colors to build your presentation around, I would suggest it would Color Lovers. There are a lot of sites like that, but I like that one very much for uh, its simplicity and its ease of use. Um, there's a wonderful book that I bought a couple of years ago called Slideology. It's the second one here on the list. Uh, and it is a really powerful collection of case studies on how to build compelling presentations, not just visually, but narratively. And I have it in my library. I I reference it all the time. I would highly recommend it to those of you who are doing presentations um, for faculty, colleagues, or at conferences or summits or things like that. Um, And then I talked a bit about uh, trying to find the hex value of specific colors. Well. If you don't have something like uh, Adobe Illustrator or Creative Cloud or whatever it is, um, there is a browser extension, a Chrome browser extension called Colorzilla. And if you install that in your browser, it will allow you to specifically find the hex value of a color in any given website. So if you go to a website and you go, I really love how this website is designed, well Colorzilla would allow you to go through and figure out the exact colors that that design company is using to build that site. And then maybe use that as some inspiration for how you could build your own. And then of course, you know, you don't need to start from scratch when you're building these templates. Uh, there are a ton of templates that are already created for you that are used for a bunch of things in schools and in businesses and community organizations. And if you go to drive.google.com/slash templates you will have at your fingertips hundreds of different types of slide presentation templates that you can take and edit as your own. And if you're someone who really likes to build your own from scratch, well, then you can actually contribute to that community by creating your slide presentation and then uploading it at drive.google.com create templates and then upload it to that community, and then other people can, can uh, enjoy what you have created. And that's what I have for presentations.
0: David, there's an awful lot of information there. We have a lot of questions coming up on the chat room here. So please uh, check that out as you go. You know, I really love all the features that are out here in Google Slides. And I, I'm one of those people that I'm really looking forward to this coming to the mobile device. I believe that there is a slide app out there for the Android. And I know it's coming out soon for the ios system i want to take a moment here and talk a little bit about some creative ways because a lot of times teachers are making these presentations with their kids but they're still powerpoint presentations just in another form and i really truly believe that that you know doing this can be more so let me do a little slide here um not going to go through all of this stuff but a couple years ago i took my my orchestra kids on a on a field trip we played at some other high school and i wanted to do something for them to say thank you and instead of having my kids get out pencil and paper and write you know dear high school or dear conductor let me thank you for this we put together a google presentation and let me open this one here for you Uh uh-oh something happened there and (laughs) don't know have to figure that one out probably because i moved it but um, and so basically from that slide, everybody had a slide deck on them and they were able to write these digital thank yous. And they were able to write like, you know, I had a great time. Here's some pictures. We put some videos in there. Everything came out really, really nicely. And we were able to use Google presentations to make these thank you cards. At the end of the day, we shared that that Google presentation out with. Um, with the high school, with our administration, you know, we we said thank yous to the bus drivers and stuff, and because we were able to put in pictures and movies, it really made it that much that much more special for you. Um, also, looking at some of these other things that we do out there, you know, the idea of doing some of these creative projects. This actually came from a, a former a, a fellow Google certified teacher named Eric Kurtz, and he came up with this concept of creating comic strips. And just this whole idea of being able to create a comic strip. Here is something that he came up with called Robot and Penguin. And I don't know how this is going to act actual out here. If I, if I do the presentation on this, it doesn't quite read through. But he put together this comic strip of Robot and Penguin. And you've got your two little cartoon characters that goes back and forth. But the neat part about this is you're talking animation. It's hard to see at this point. But all of these slides are animated. And you're looking at digital storytelling. You're looking at how's this work. So here you have robot and penguin going. Hey, what are you doing? He says, just studying. Over here, robot says, so why do you have a book on your head? And he says, I want to learn about osmosis. And then at the end here, you've got your slide on what is osmosis. So you're using Google Presentations in a way that's not PowerPoint. Uh-huh. And you know, we also talk about you know, there, everybody on Twitter right now is throwing around the slide of. You know, hey, Johnny, what did you do for this summer? And Johnny looks at the teacher and says, well, if you're following me on Twitter, you 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 know what I'm doing. So to do <laughs> use Google Presentations as these little scrapbooking things is also a really neat idea. But the one thing that people really like is getting into animations. And I hope this thing comes through. But basically, you're using Google Presentations as a flipbook, as a slide projector here. And let's see if this actually plays. Oh good, it's going to play. This is a few minutes long here, but this is one of my favorite YouTube videos to watch. It's all Google presentations animations here, and um, I'll just kind of shut up here and hang out here, but this is a really, really neat video. So you can see here, it's just slide after slide after slide making this incredible animation. And this was all done with, with, by, by two kids who were as creative as possible to put this together.
3: And ultimately, what you've got going on here is a very simple cell-style animation where each slide is just a little different than the slide before it. Mm-hmm. So they're using a lot of copy-paste to build this out and um, the way that you can make this work is you export your slideshow as a normal animation and then you go in and you change the delay settings in the link so if you do export it as a slideshow the lowest delay setting you can use is 1000 milliseconds and you'll actually see that at the end of the link. It'll say delay equals 1000 ms. And you just change 1000 to 0087 because 87 milliseconds is how long the delay would be if you had 12 frames per second, which is standard animation frame rate. So you can actually create your own animations that way. And it's really, really cool
0: when we did our google training a couple of years ago there was somebody who did something that was much 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 bigger than this thing and it was just absolutely amazing and then he's like yeah this was done by one of my fifth graders I'm like okay <laughs> not not bad go you know go out and challenge your kids to do something like that nice. um again we have a very very busy chat room tonight uh just a little bit of programming here we are actually not going to be on next week we're taking the holiday off but when we come back we're going to be diving into classroom we're going to be diving into some other great google tools so check with us in september we are staying google we're staying educational we are of course live here every single sunday night at seven o'clock eastern we are the tech educator podcast live here on teachercast.tv sam we we I, I know you you're not prepared for this, but you kinda of walked into the lion's den. We wanted to know how was the ice cream and Lego party?
3: The ice cream and Lego party was really fun. You know, we had a bunch of sphero robots and some Legos set up and for what ended up being from one o'clock until four thirty, so what is that, three and a half hours? We're out there entertaining all of the kids from K through eighth grade, trying to recruit them into our after-school Lego program and Lego robotics program. So, you know that that went really well, really enthusiastic.
0: Nice. Um, people are asking where they can get links for all of this stuff. I'm going to implore Poi, Sam because he was late today to go through the chat box and grab all the great links for everything here. Uh, we will make sure it's over here. If you go to TechEducatorPodcast.com. Um, which, by the way, I don't know if you guys have seen, is super, super fast these days, um, is going to have all the links to, to my presentation, to David's presentation, to all the great work that Josh is doing. And I think we're even going to take this long show like we usually do and we're going to shrink it down into various less than 10-minute chunks. So be looking for that the next couple days on TeacherCast. Guys, there's a lot more stuff on Google. Does anybody have anything else here for our Google Demo Slam Day? I think that's kind of what it turned into, right?
1: Yeah, kind of.
0: Give us something on the spot. I know we haven't rehearsed this, but give us something on the spot that's really awesome and really googly.
1: <sighs> on the spot? You want it to be something that I created or a student created or what? Show us something. Show you something. Okay. Yeah, well, well, hey. Well, since, uh, since I didn't uh, get to do it uh, yesterday, or uh, Friday, I was supposed to do a presentation. Then I had some car trouble, and then I couldn't do it. Uh, So, I I did a Google Sites, was doing a Google Sites uh, workshop, Um, and one of the things that really struck me, one of the things that really struck me at that, at Google Teacher Academy was this thing called HyperDocs, and Lisa Highfill was the one who led the session, and it was the idea, I I guess the best way to explain it is it's like a, a web quest, but using hyperlinks, so instead of having everything on one sheet, you're jumping it's more immersive. You're going from one thing to the next. You're like physically opening something else. You're going further down the rabbit hole. Uh, so I created my, my session in light of that. So I'm going to go ahead and screen share here. And I'm not going to go through the whole presentation, but I'm going to kind of show you the design of it. Um, I was pretty proud of it. I thought I did all right. Um, and I thought it was going to be great. And I didn't end up getting to use it because, like I said, it's a whole bunch of stupid events that took place and just bad luck. So it started off, they would be filling out a form just to give me some information to start with. And then they would jump from this, um, that that slide would give them the link or the QR code. And then they would fill out this form. And I don't know, it's a pretty short form. And then when they finished the form, they would get the next link. And the next link would then jump us through just some basics. I, I, I put some little Easter eggs in here uh, as well. Um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and share that starter link with everybody in the chat and then if you want to go through it. It's it's pretty neat, you know, and it's kind of the basics of Google Slides. And then, you know, I had some different action steps that we were going to go through and then jump them to, uh, to new pieces. And it's just this Idea of kind of dragging them in further and further, and it's very immersive. And you know, like in a workshop setting, um, this would be great to really kind of pace people. You know that you know some people could kind of see everything that's out there, but other people can just stay on the path. Um, and there's there's a lot of different options here. You know, this was a uh, like a little part of ours where there would be you know looking up some different things and kind of collaborating with other people about Google Sites and adding some new features, and then. Jumping into the next thing, um, which you know I use a lot of presentations. But as I'll show after this one, I actually went a little off off the the Google stuff, and I jumped into YouTube, and kind of talking about would be talking about YouTube then, and like embedding YouTube videos in their Google sites and how they could use that in class or with students. Uh, But I put the link then in this playlist that would jump them to the next part uh, after they after they do that. So I I was really looking forward to sharing this and I guess I kind of semi got to tonight uh, but just uh, just thought it was a, like a really good reflection in uh, using my experience in Google Teacher Academy in a way that was kind of powering up my presentation skills and not necessarily just kind of doing the same things as the way I would have always done them so um, I really really that really stuck with me that hyperdocs thing and I was really really a big fan of that and we will make sure and try and do more things like it in the future because I really like the setup.
0: You know, I was looking at your slides there and I'm noticing that a lot of your slides are custom. And one of the things that I think Google Docs is great for is, you know, all the accessibility, how you can use it and everything that we've been talking about so far. But I do have to go on record as saying some of the the templates for Google presentations are not the best looking things in the world. What advice can we talk about here as far as how to make a pretty looking slide or pretty looking slide template? I know, you know, earlier you were talking about changing colors and things like that, but, but what makes a good looking slide here?
1: All right. Well, Wait. I can just talk in my experience and then I'll let David talk. Cause I mean, he's the design guy. I mean, it's in his Twitter handle. He's Design Saunders. So, um, uh, I'll just say for me, I kind of go with some real basics. Um, I I watched a TED Talk a while back, and I and I read some things, and kind of number one for me is very little text. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, you know, more than six words is probably too many. You can do a lot with pictures. You can do a lot with, you know, a few words. So, you know, like, let's take a slide like this. Let me share this quick. You know, this to me is... Is kind of a really good share, you know, a really good slide because you've got a picture and you've got a few words. And the point of a presentation is it's a visual aid. It's not something that you're reading off of. And this is something that I always try to impart on students: is that you know, you should the power should be able to go out, and you should still be able to do your presentation. Like this and, is just for us. This isn't for you.
0: And I'm glad you mentioned that. And and I let's just get a conversation going here. And I completely agree that when you're presenting less is more. You know, when you're when you're standing up there people want to be talking and and listening to you. But but these things are embeddable documents. Mm. If you took a slide deck that was little text and mostly graphics and you put that on the website and told your kids to learn from it, there's nothing to learn from. So, how does one make a good solid uh pedagogically correct slide deck to teach a concept even you know if you're looking at flipped learning or hey all you know all the chapter notes and stuff are on this google presentation how do we make this visually appealing yet again some of the templates are kind of boring i i completely agree with you that 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 slide you gave me was great if i'm presenting it or if i'm lecturing from it but as a lecturer as a teacher lecturer I'd rather have a slide with more information because then I can put that on the website and say, go reference that later. And I know that some of my students are going to be copying notes and some of the students are going to be listening. When I'm lecturing in classrooms, I don't want to make two, two different slide decks. When I'm giving a presentation as a PD course, okay, you do things a little bit differently. But let's talk classroom here. A slide like that, a student might not be able to get the concept of it just by looking at it and better on a website. Sam, what do you think? Well, you know, I think
3: that those are two very different uses for slides. Like, I don't really try to make my slides be able to stand on their own. Um, Even when I'm not necessarily... Like, even when I end up housing the slides somewhere, I like to basically export them and they become the background in a video. Or I'm going to narrate over them or something like that. But I'm not really... Um that concerned about a slide deck being able to stand on its own and instruct on its own because it 's usually just one piece of some sort of multimedia thing, even if it 's just dumping the slide deck in to explain everything um and There are so many different options for building images these days. Uh, I end up doing a lot of my slide design in paper fifty three and uh, Jeff, I think you saw the ISTE presentation I did, where I hand drew the entire uh, slide deck in paper fifty-three. It wasn't the best-looking stuff, but it was very distinctive. Well, and it,
0: and, and that's true. Know. I I know you did that, and and I'm, I'm kind of passionate about this, but it's it's happening in the chat room too. I know you did that slide deck like on the airplane as it was landing, right?
3: Oh no, but, no, no! But I would you do that for your kids?
0: <laughs> <laughs> of course. But, but would you do that for your kids? I mean, would you take a slide deck and literally hand copy everything and then give it to your then do an English presentation and go here?
3: Um, sometimes, but again, it, what I would give them when I said here wouldn't just be the slide deck by itself. It might be the slide deck plus an Evernote audio file or a video I made where I narrated over the slide deck in Explain Everything or Show Me or iMovie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I generally, while well, I'll put a slide deck up on SlideShare, it's just to give people an idea of what kinds of things I've talked about, but you know, my slide decks are never the whole thing because i can't stand to put that much information that dense on the screen so right. what do you
0: leave your kids and then i'll even say what do you leave your audience for show notes at the end of the day i mean do you then have a full website or a full second presentation deck that says here's all the links that i'm using here's here's you know here's the goodie bag at the end of the day
3: you know I might have an Evernote document that's got you know the links that I visited as well as a direct link. I'll usually have a video portion of any presentation I give, so I'll have a direct link to that video portion um but they might not at the end of the day have every day every word I said in the order I said it in unless you know they took it upon themselves to record what I was doing.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you suggest ever doing that? I mean, I've been known a couple of times to turn my phone on, put on Evernote and record the lecture. And then it's in the Evernote doc at the end of the lesson. So in case people want to or don't have any time on their hands, they can listen to it. Yeah,
3: I, I actually try to record as much as I can, even when I'm at a conference or something. I'll record a whole session I'm sitting in uh, with my Livescribe pen, sometimes with the idea of sharing it with other people, sometimes with just the idea that, you know, I want to revisit this content later. Mm-hmm.
2: And I would say similar to what Josh was talking about with the hyperdocs, I tend to hyperlink lots of things within my presentation and so within a presentation that I might you know, embed in my Google site for my class, there might be on you know, every third slide or something a button that says learn more or find out more and that links out to a specific website or resource that I have earmarked and curated for that purpose.
0: We certainly have a lot of information. Sam, I think it's only fitting to ask David and to ask Josh to come back on the show at some point in the near future. Yes, I think
3: that's a great idea.
0: Let me know when. I I know we weren't planning on tonight being the Google presentation hour, but I think we got a lot of stuff covered here on presentations and slides. Um, Guys out there on the chat, thank you so much. If you have any questions, we will be manning the chat for the next uh, 10, 15 minutes here. I know... That between the four of us, we can continue to go for another hour or so just on presentation tips, um, <laughs> and, and maybe we good. maybe we can someday soon. So I definitely <laughs> want to hit some stuff here, guys. Thank you so much, um, David. Where can we get a hold of you? And and people want to know what is the Twitter address for for David?
2: It is at Design Saunders. I will put it in the chat as
1: well Excellent. at Design
2: Saunders. Nice. That is- um, yeah, thank you very much.
0: And uh, Josh, where can we get a hold of you?
1: All right, I am at Mr. G Fact of the Day. So I'm really, I'm really sorry about the long Twitter handle using all your characters, but um, it wasn't taken. It was for a purpose at the time, but that's where I'm at. Mr. G Fact of the Day. <laughs>
0: nice, Sam. What did you build with Legos today? Today with Legos,
3: I built the same little four-wheel police vehicle about eight times because every time you turn your back they take it apart wait you you had
0: you had babies there
3: Uh, not babies but you know little ones the kindergartners kindergarten through third graders
0: nice guys thank you so much thank you so much for watching we are here live every single sunday night minus next week of course when we will be here live um Tech Educator Podcast is brought to you by TeacherCast.net. Please check us out. We will be back next week. Until then, take care. Enjoy the beginning of school year because I know many of you guys are starting school for the first time. Up next is an amazing, amazing show called 30 Second Take. It's episode seven. If you haven't checked it out, please stick around for about three or four extra minutes here. Brad is doing some amazing stuff here on 30 Second Take. Basically, he's pinning two educators versus each other. And when you're on Twitter, you can vote for the educator you want to move forward by using the hashtag 30 Second Take. Good night, everybody. And here is the seventh episode of 30 Second Take.
4: Seatbelt. It's the 30-second take podcast where two people face off in a digital duel. The podcast begins in three, two, one, Hello! We are back. It's episode 7 of the 30 Second Take Podcast. This is going to be good. How good? Well, John Fritsky, good. John Fritzky's back. He's returning as a guest host. I'm going to introduce you to his challenger. Our new guest host is Principal Mark French. This is Mark. It looks like he's been experimenting with the TouchCast app. Here's a better picture of Mark. Mark is also the president-elect of the Minnesota Elementary Principals Association thing i admire about mark he is a learner he exemplifies what a growth mindset looks like and is and that fits nicely for this week's guiding question more on that later i want to reintroduce you to john Fritzky. this is john i recently learned that john is currently the vice principal at the school he attended as a student i think that's the coolest coolest thing john also confided in me you know confided and now i'm sharing with you he loves to golf he's a terrible golfer so john because he did so well last week, I'm just going to give you a little tip for your golf game. You take your golf ball and never hit a tee shot without, without one of these, John, okay? A life preserver for, for your ball. Ever since I started playing golf with this, I've taken like 10 strokes off my game. I'm not afraid of the water anymore, John. All right, enough about that. Let's get serious, down to business. How do we cultivate a growth mindset? That's a question. Uh, 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 <laughs> sorry, I'm back, I'm back. Mark and John are gonna tackle it, and then we need to hear from you. We need to hear from you, people, at the hashtag 30 second take. All right, let's dive into this digital duel. Welcome
3: to our digital duel.
4: Cast your vote for the most
2: compelling response. The winner returns next week to defend the title. Here's how I cultivate a growth mindset. Number one, take risks. This summer, I learned about TouchCast to produce school videos. My first mistake was I looked like a severed head on a plate. But I learned from that mistake and kept going. Number two, role model for others. I gave my staff members the book, Teach Like a Pirate. I had to read it myself, and I have become a pirate convert. Three, keep learning. So we're talking growth mindset, and I think that there are three things that we need to do to encourage a growth mindset in our schools. And the first is to acknowledge strengths of the educators in our building. Just because we're asking them to grow and stretch
1: doesn't mean that what they did before was bad. Our teachers have so many talents that we need to acknowledge and build upon. The second is that we need to make the first step manageable when we're asking them to grow. I think that it's scary to step outside of your comfort zone. And if that first step isn't a concrete one that's manageable, it's, it's tremendously scary. The third is to model. I believe as a leader in a building, it is important to model that not only am I asking others to grow and change, but I'm willing to do it myself.
4: Four. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You actually crushed it. That's like long drive, hole-in-one, all-in-one, John. And principal friends, French, Mark, I serve at the honor of the president. You nailed it, too. Uh, proud to work alongside you. The hardest part now, I think, is actually our job. We get to provide some feedback and actually vote to determine which guest host moves forward next week. I just want to say the guys nailed it. So. Go on to hashtag 30 second take on Twitter. You can hit me up on Voxer, send me a direct message. However, you uh, engage in that conversation, voting is cool. Can't wait to learn uh, with you and from you based on your feedback. Don't forget to follow these guys on Twitter as well. Uh, Mark is at Principal French and John is at John Fritzky. I think it's time for that robot arm thing. Take it away, RoboArm. <laughs>
2: Awesome.